You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me now is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can listen to him and John Owning on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Uh, Just a fantastic listen. So make sure you guys do that. Landon, you're a busy guy. How are you doing today? (laughs) I'm so busy. It just feels <laughs> insanely busy, and and all I want to do is is watch this glorious game in all its all twenty two splendor, and you know work and life and all those boring things keep interrupting me, and it's quite annoying. But well, I've we, done it. I've watched it. I've got my notes, and I'm excited to talk football. The the uh, game pass was nice to us this week. It allowed us to it watch was. the film, at least to me, on Monday afternoon, which is the first time I think I've ever done that. So, got a lot of time to study this all twenty two. We're gonna dive into it right now. Um, you have a lot of offensive notes in this. I've got some more notes about the defense. So let's let's do it. Um, your first note is about some of the formation stuff that the Cowboys use this week. In particular, the fullback. So, what did you see uh, unusual about the Cowboys' offense this week? Yeah, I mean, I, it it wasn't specifically about the fullback, but I did wanted to point out that specifically that they were using the fullback. It seemed like a lot more. I mean, I think he had eight snaps uh, this game, which uh, was the second most he's had all season uh, from I think the Giants game. Was and he caught a pass. Yeah, and he did, and and he actually went out on a couple passes, and and that was kind of what I, what I want to talk about. I really like the formational stuff that includes the fullback, but but the offense still manages to kind of have a spread feel. I mean, they have like a there was a twenty one package they use where both wide receivers are on the line of scrimmage, but outside the numbers, and then inside the formation they have Swaim. Uh, Olawale, Zeke, and Dak, and and obviously Dak in normal, you know, under center, uh, but then Olawale, Zeke, and um, uh, uh, Swaim all off the line. So all of them having options pre-snap to move into different situations. And, and you know, it, 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 what it does is it creates a very difficult uh, – it creates a lot of nice throwing lanes if you want to throw the ball because you can do a lot of interesting play action stuff. Obviously, you can run the ball there, and you and you kind of like have to like your numbers there if if you're you know kind of forcing the safeties to to, to honor the, the the passing offense on the outside. Uh, and you know, I just thought that they did a lot of interesting yeah. stuff. And, and outside of using the fullback, I thought it was interesting how they were able to mix up the formations. You saw a lot of different personnel run out there. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that w- we saw good mixes of uh, eleven, uh, some twelve, some twenty-two personnel. Um, you know, some some in spread. We saw some, you know, even down to some ten personnel. I think at at, at least one snap of it, I thought uh, near the goal line at one point, and they were doing a lot of different stuff. You know, interesting stuff. Whether it was, um, you know, running uh, to the outside trying to misdirect with Tavon coming across the formation. It felt like, you know, they were using that in more interesting ways. Like, uh, you know, like the, the they, they ran a really nice uh, quarterback power 
that was out of a bunch uh, formation. Then they it almost looked like Gabe a sweep, a right? It was, yeah. It was a, Q, it was yeah. a QB power run, yeah. And and they basically brought, you know, gave made all the linebackers give a false step because they ran a fake jet sweep to the opposite side before Dak pulled and ran. And really, it would have worked a lot better. It didn't actually get the first down. It would have worked a lot better, but uh, Calais Campbell just made an incredible play to kind of clog things up, and 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 just didn't Dak didn't get an opportunity to get through the hole. Uh, can the way can I wanted. make a but quick I, comment about that play really please, quickly? Please, yeah. I think Dak might have got that first down. He got a pretty bad spot on that because Dak yes. did a good job there, of there making were, a second effort there. There were a couple of really bad spots I've noticed, like and uh, and at, at different points. But uh, you know, I think that's uh, you know that's been kind of an issue actually for a couple of weeks. I've noticed this, the spots in general. I don't know if the, the the line judges are having to watch too much, and by the time their eyes get to where it's going, they're not seeing the momentum properly. But sure. anyways. Um, uh, I, I thought that formational wise, they did a lot of really cool things, uh, mixing it up. You know, we saw plenty of twelve, plenty of you know the thirteen personnel, the stuff they have have run before. You know, they've run eleven personnel as well. But the the mixture of what they were doing and, and how they were uh, deploying the players in those groupings, I thought was interesting. And 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 that combined with some uh, stuff that we'll talk about a little bit later, I thought really helped open Dak's options up in the passing game not only to throw the ball, but gave him good options to pull the ball and run it, uh, scramble out of the pocket and get some extra yards that way too. Speaking of their 12 personnel, Blake Jarwin is still the, the Cowboys' number two tight end. Um, I kind of thought he had an up-and-down day. I, I, the pass that Dak threw to him, I think it was on the third and one, was actually a really good throw. I, I don't know what happened with Jarwin. Uh, he just kind of misjudged that ball. But... Um, Talk to us a little bit about what you saw in, with Jarwin in the blocking game in Week Six. Yeah, I mean it's it's frustrating with Jarwin overall. I mean, th- th- there's just no way around it. I mean, he was a guy that we all looked forward to. Uh, the people that were in training camp that saw him, you know, I mean, he did a lot of things in in those camp practices, and they clearly seemed to want to use him a lot um, and have plans for him. And, and and clearly that has just not been the case. Like it is not worked out that way in the season. Um, and and I think part of that was that we all knew Jarwin was not necessarily, uh, you know, of these tight ends. We None of them were trained killers, but Jarwin of all of them may have been the least of that. You know, I think sure. he was supposed to be more of a kind of a move tight end or receiving tight end. Uh, and again, I, I think that he is a liability as a blocker on the first level. When you're asking him to reach block a defensive end on the backside of his own run, he's going to get he's going to get beat up, and I think he's going to get run through. And I don't know that he's actually going to provide much of even a getaway block in that situation. Having said all that, though, I think that when they found ways to get him on the move on the second level. Stalking, stalk blocking guys, getting in the way of linebackers, sealing guys off in, in that way. I think that that's where he's effective, and I think that he showed that on Dak's uh, rushing touchdown, where he was the guy who was out in front making those blocks and sealing it off for, for Dak to be able to get outside his hip and, and up the field, and I, and actually was able to kind of get in the way of two different defenders at one point. So um, I just wanted to point that out because I feel like he does he takes a lot of you know, do, you know, abuse because of, you know, I think there's been times when he's been in, in the spot to make the play 
or he's been in the opportunity to make a block, you know, on the first level stuff that we talked about, and he and he hasn't gotten the job done. Um, but this is an opp- this was a job that he he got the job done. You know, he did he did what he had to do, and it wasn't exactly a simple block, and he was able to execute it, and, and the result was a touchdown. To me, Jarwin is a guy that I don't think they were really planning on having to play him this year. They kind of when when Witten retired oh. in. Well, I disagree, man. I mean, but see, when Winton retired, when Winton retired after the first round of the draft, they were kind of stuck, right? They didn't really have an option. I think ultimately they wanted they wanted Jarwin to be probably tight end three heading into this year. Get him a couple snaps. Before Winton retires, you mean? Is that what you're saying? Before before Winton retired, no, they got into they got into training camp and they almost had to to you know move him along faster, but. I still think he's probably a year away from being a solid contributor, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't think that's wrong, and I and I, I uh, the reason I heavily dispute it is because I think post Witten, they their their tune changed drastically. That I think that they had big Blake Jartwin plans, um, but I, I no, I agree. Before Witten left, I think the idea was, hey, we need to make sure we can find a way to stash Darwin because we think he could be a guy a year from now. And I still do think that a year from now, or after some time, that he's going to figure this out and he can do some things. Like I think he has the the, the athleticism, the body type, to to, to be a, a decent you know tight end in this league. Um, but no, I I agree. I think at this point, I mean, it it looks like he is still a ways away. I mean, honestly, it, it, it reminds me of where it felt like, you know, with Gallup at times early on. I think Gallup has started to finally kind of make steps. Um, and I think we saw a little bit of that this game, but, um, or I guess step in one case, but, um, uh, you know, I I think, uh, I think what we'll see is that, you know, hopefully he'll, you know, start catching a couple more passes and maybe he can, you know, start getting into that rotation. I I, I don't know, man. I, I think it's it might be tough for him to kind of get that opportunity now because really, you know, Gathers has taken his opportunities and has, has converted on some of them, definitely at a better rate than Jarwin has. So, uh, and I don't know that he's a better technical blocker than Jarwin, but I think if you're asking him to reach block a defensive end, if he can get there, if he can get to the defensive end, then uh, I think he, you know, is a lot more adept at getting in the way of a 260-pound defensive. So uh, I don't know that opportunity is gonna is gonna be his best friend at the end of the day for Jarwin because of gathers. But it'll be interesting to see because I do think eventually he's gonna be a guy who could really provide something for you. Let's pause so I can tell you guys about my bookie. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people are always asking us for our advice. Usually it's what team to bet on. The truth is, we don't always know who's going to win. But if you think you know, wait, hold on. We know who's going to win. If you listen to this Locked on Cowboys podcast, you know who's going to win. We tell you this every week. (laughs) So uh, remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They have been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is so easy to use. You guys got to check it out. Lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me in the past. 
That's why I'm urging you guys to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there like Landon, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Landon's not a fantasy player, but that's all right. Uh, join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Did we talk about our, our picking streak on the last podcast? I don't remember now. I, first of all, can we just <laughs> stop with the false modesty? Our picking streak. Give me a break. You know it's your picking streak. And it's our locked on. It's, it's second teamwork. Of all, second of all, I would like to comment that how dare whoever wrote that read suggest that you don't know who's going to win every week. <laughs> you know who's going to win every week, Marcus, Thank and you. as Thank shown you. by your record. So I think if you want to take a little block right here to toot your own horn, feel free. The stage is yours, sir. No, that's okay. We got all 22 stuff to do, 21 and 22 over the last 22 games. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, Alan Hearns. There was a play in this game uh, that, and if you were on Twitter, it was hilarious because I, I you could see what happened in real time, but it, it was funny. There was a play where Hearns was on a crossing route, I believe, and Telvin Smith was in a zone, and... From the broadcast angle, it looked like uh, Alan Hearns couldn't run past Telvin Smith. Uh, That's not actually what happened. Landon, go ahead and explain this play to us. It was funny because when I first watched it, I didn't recognize what it was. I mean, I didn't, you know, like I didn't recognize that it was that play that we had saw in the broadcast, right? Because in my head, I assumed that it was going to be a case where, you know, Hearns was in the slot and and Telvin Smith walked out to cover him and you know turned and ran and did all the what we thought, but yeah I mean basically you're, you're right it was a deep out uh, a, cro- a deep crosser and um, like the Jaguars love to run and mm-hmm. uh, but but we're running at this time and, and and you know obviously Hearns being an ex Jaguar guy probably has a lot of you know uh, experience running it so yep. he's running a deep crosser across the field and actually Telvin Smith is was on the side of the field that he ends up. And is not running across anything. He's dropping back into his deep zone, and then basically runs into Hearns while in his in his uh, drop, and then basically turns to kind of finish that last little bit. I mean, he basically arrived to Alan Hearns as the ball was being thrown. I mean, the ball was in the air already by the time that uh, uh, you know that he had kind of intersected with Hearns. So it wasn't like he turned and running running the full. 60 yard route across the field with him. It was, he dropped right. back and then basically ran into Hearns in the middle of his, of his route and then kind of turned his hips and finished up with him. So I thought that was interesting. Yes. All right. Let's move Especially to the, the, the perception there, you know? Right. And that's what everybody wanted to kill Alan Hearns because he's not faster yeah, yeah, than Calvin yeah. Smith, but I mean, He's not. Well, even then, I mean, <laughs> Smith, yeah, I mean, Telvin Smith is probably faster than Alan Hearns, but Telvin Smith is also insanely fast. So exactly. No shame it, there. It, no, not at all. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the defense because these are where most of my notes came from, and I want to start with Jalen Smith. Um, Jalen obviously had a great game in this one. He forced the fumble. 
Uh, it was all over the field. I actually think this was maybe one of his better games for the simple fact that there wasn't very many mistakes by him. Uh, usually when he gets himself in trouble, it's when he's playing a little too fast uh, and too aggressive, and he'll he'll miss tackles. Um, if I go back and uh, look at my notes, there was a couple games this season where you know I had him down for three or four missed tackles in a game. Didn't have him down for any in this one. I, I thought he played really, really well. Um, I think over the last two weeks, I, I, I've seen a, a totally different player than I saw earlier in the year. Um, you know, against like Carolina, I didn't think he played all that well. Didn't play great in the Detroit game. Uh, he's been fantastic the last two weeks against Texan Jacksonville. So just wanted to, to, to say everything that I saw from the film, going back and watching his assignments, uh, him reading his keys. I thought he was outstanding. So any comments on Smith before we move on? No, I, I just think, you know, he's a different kind of middle linebacker than we've seen a little bit, I feel like. Um, you know, he's uh, he's got – does he have like three and a half sacks? I mean, he, yeah, he's something got something like, like, something like that, and that's ridiculous for a middle linebacker at this point of the year. So, um, yeah, I, I just feel like he is a – he's a different – kind of player i think he you, he gives you value in a lot of different ways i think you know we we gave david irving a lot of credit for that initial first snap that he had um but that was a nasty you know little uh, you know blitz whatever you want to call it stunt because i mean they, they had you know linemen doing things they basically overloaded one side with uh, Malik Collins playing the nose on one side and David Irving on that same side. And then at the snap, Collins comes across the center's face in a loop. Irving comes up the field and Jalen Smith comes blitzing down uh, basically the same gap where uh, Collins had started. And, and just like, I mean, they all, they just destroyed the blocking scheme immediately and, right. and uh, were able and, you know, Irvin was able to run free and, and just, I mean, that's the thing is that once this guy knew what he was doing or getting him to know what he was doing, the level of physicality, I mean, we, John and I have talked about this, like the level of violence that he plays with. That, that wasn't he something he played with in the game. It, it, I've just, never he just didn't have it in his like skill set. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen, like you know, you see guys like Rolando McClain, but you, I mean, you can tell like that's a two hundred seventy pound guy who shouldn't move like he does. Jalen Smith looks like a guy who should move the way he does. What he doesn't look like is a guy who should be able to destroy people the way that he does. I mean, he blows guards up. Like, I mean, he's it's just nuts to see a guy who, I mean, he's you know he looks like a superhero, but he, I mean, you still don't think that he could you know, blow up a 320 pound guard, but dude, he does it. He, he produces sure. such power so quickly without, you know, with such little movement that it's, he, he, it, you know, produces incredible hits while it's tackling or taking on uh bowling lineman or whatever. Yeah, this was, this was, I think his most well-rounded game in coverage, you know, as a, in the run game, uh, as a pass rusher, I just thought Jalen played really, really well. Um, another player that I thought had, a, you know, his arguably his best game of his career was Malik Collins. Now I think he only played 16 snaps in this game, but for the first time in a long time, he looked healthy. Uh, he was firing off the ball. Uh, he even had a little spin move that, that was kind of nice. Um, you kind of forget 
and we talked about this in our last podcast, but you kind of forget how talented Malik Collins is. Remember, this was a guy that Rod Marinelli picked out in the third round, and he wanted him to be their star three technique. But there's been a lot of injuries there, uh, two broken bones in his foot that have kind of hampered him over the last few years. But you can see his talent. And when you get Malik Collins and David Irving and Tyrone Crawford all playing together or rotating in, I mean, that's a really, really athletic and uh, just uh, just a, gu- a group that can get to the quarterback. So I just thought Malik Collins was fantastic. They're going to need him for the rest of the season because I'm not sure you can rely on David Irving to stay healthy or stay on the field. So you need somebody that can anchor the middle of the defense, and I think that's Malik Collins. So any thoughts on Malik Collins uh, against Jacksonville? It, you know, it's not just that Malik's back. I mean, first of all, yeah, I agree completely that Malik – had one of his best games that is absolutely you know such a boost to this team i mean just having a, any kind of interior pass rush was nice because uh it, it feels like that's been a missing element a lot in the pass rush you know i i think that they've needed we talked about needing that other side to, to show up and, and i feel like if it had been in the middle some of these previous weeks we would have had a lot better success and again it's not just the addition of Malik Collins. It's the, you know, Malik Collins can come in and give you good pass rushing snaps at both the one and the three. And that gives you that much more opportunity to give someone like Tyrone Crawford a spell. And now he's coming in with the second team line fresh and he's, you know, and he's doing his thing incredibly well, but fresh now with, with, you know, completely, uh, you know, fresh legs and, 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 and not having to fight against uh, guys that are 50 pounds over his weight for, you know, 40, 50 snaps. Now he's doing it for 20 snaps and he can just explode off the ball. And then you also add in David Irving who didn't get, you know, we, I mean, not a, uh, a large amount of snaps by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, it, it's still that many more, quality snaps that you can get. I mean, now you can deploy David Irving, you know, like that's the thing before when you had guys like Daniel Ross playing the three, you kind of had to be careful when you were subbing in these guys, right? Like you wanted to give these guys breathers, but it's tough to put in. Don't talk bad about Daniel Ross. No, I I shouldn't say yes. I mean, Daniel Ross is the MVP, defensive MVP of the league. Shouldn't even talk about Daniel Ross. Uh, Let's let's, let's say a lesser defensive tackle on the team. Let's say we had someone like J.J. Watt. Um, and okay, no, no, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying with sure. the, the down roster defensive tackles, when it was Tyrone Crawford and just those guys, you kind of had to be really judicious about when you were putting Tyrone Crawford on the field because you wanted him in there when it was the crucial third downs when it, when you know they had to have it versus you know the second possession of the second quarter. You know, I mean, who like you know something not as dire i guess is is the point Uh, now you have a rotation of guys that you don't have to concern yourself with that as much like you feel pretty confident about really with the the four interior guys you feel pretty comfortable about all of them so you can rotate them in and out as long as they're you know not gassed you can put them in whenever you need to if they you know and and not feel like, like you have to overly manage you know when which defensive tackle is on the field at that time. Now you can really go with who is the freshest guy because you've got your three-level talent on 
on at, at under tackle. Any of those three guys can be six to eight plus, obviously, ta- sacks per season guys on their own. So, you know, I think you, you feel good about that rotation. You, you get a little bit better quality out of the one technique snaps now, too, because you, Collins can kick inside over there and give you some snaps there to alleviate Woods uh, if it, when if and when either one of those guys has to alleviate uh, Daniel Ross, who is, I'm assuming, blocking taking on three blockers at once and just destroying all the blocking <laughs> schemes and uh but can only but can only play like i guess he made some deal with the devil that he's the best player in football but can only play eight snaps a game or something so um <laughs> yeah anyways I, I just think that you know it's it's collins but it's also collins being the depth and allowing the rest of those guys to get the breathers they need and now it, it's a it's a force multiplier you know, it it, it it improves that group exponentially because now you've got not just your talent guys getting rest and being fresher, but their relief being much better players than they have been in previous weeks. All right, let's pause and we'll take a quick break and we'll come right back. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence that you need. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit. No waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free right now. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, the final note that I had, and this is going to sound like a negative, but it's not. Uh, Leighton Van Der Esch. Yeah. I thought he was fantastic in the last two games against Houston and Detroit. I actually thought they took a step up from Sean Lee when Sean Lee went out and that hasn't happened and I don't know how long when Lee has been out of the game and the Cowboys have actually gotten better linebacker play. Uh, against Jacksonville, I thought he was okay. I, I, I didn't think he played to the same level he did in the previous two weeks. Uh, he seemed a little bit more passive. There was a couple times where uh, I thought he could go make the play on the running back and he seemed like he hesitated a little bit or he got blocked out of the play. Um I'm not panicking, not saying he's a liability or anything like that. I, I just think he didn't have a great his greatest day. Jalen out Smith clearly outplayed him in this one, um, and I'm going to be interested to see what happens when Sean Lee comes back, whether that's this week or whether that's after the bye. Because if you would have told me last week, you know what the Cowboys should have done, I I, I would have said, listen, let's roll with the young kids and see what Leighton has. But after watching it against Jacksonville, I think I'm a little bit more open to the idea of putting Leighton back on the bench, rotating him in, rather than just giving him uh, the reins to be the, the, the Cowboys' new weak side linebacker. So what did you see from Leighton Van Resch in Week 6? You and I discussed this a little bit 
um, you know, before the show. And, and I, I tend to think that a lot of it is a combination of, you know, new expectations for late. I mean, I think that's, I mean, a big part of this is that we yes. are dealing with, uh, we're expecting more from him now because he's shown us more. Um, and then on top of that, I think it's, you know, I think the defense overall played a lot better than they have in a long time. Um, and I think that that took away some opportunity for Leighton to, um, you know, be the one making every single tackle. So, but, but I, but I also agree. I mean, I, I saw a little bit of what you're talking about, the, you know, some hesitancy at times, but you know, he's still a learning kid, but I, 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 I agree. You know, you have three good linebackers, really good linebackers, really maybe four, uh, and and you know I think yeah. that you can rely on that and not feel bad. You know I think that I, again it's a lot like what we talked about with defensive tackle, and and frankly you know in the same way they're both inside positions they're going to get beat up. There's there's tons and tons of snaps to play at those positions, um, and it, it's probably for the best that if you have a whole bunch of talented guys who you know there's you know really just kind of maybe even really barely daylight between their talent levels, why not play all of them? You know, why not, why not get the most out of, out of the freshest guy and and, and rotate them in and out? I I think that, you know, there's arguments to be made that, you know, maybe uh, it's better because some guys get into the groove of a game, but if that's not the case, if you feel like you're getting quality snaps from these guys while being able to rotate them, then I, I, it feels like, you know, it's going to be best for, you know, the long run, what being able to hold on to these guys longer because they're not, you know, playing as many snaps. So when December rolls around, you're hopefully health, healthier than a lot of other teams. And then, you know, I, I think it's, it's like I said, even in game, you're going to get the best opportunity to get the best snaps out of guys if they're at their freshest. And, um, you know, Leighton, you know, to a certain degree had been playing on a level that really made you kind of think twice about, whether you wanted to take him off the field. Um, but I, I, I think that, right. you know, they should be able to evaluate that now and, and not feel like they're uh, denying themselves, which is crazy to say, by getting Sean Lee, you know, uh, his portion of the snaps. You know, I think that – I think he, he still has – what's, what's, what's been going on is that he's on this crazy trajectory – I mean, he's just shooting straight up talent-wise. Like he's uh, like Leighton has just been like this is the first game that he wasn't light years better than he was the previous game. So I, I think that you know, right. as long as you're continuing to play him every game, whether he's playing all the snaps or he's playing fifty percent of his position snaps, uh, I think you're still going to get a, a you know a lot of improvement because every snap matters and every snap counts. And again there's there's a there's a there's a tendency to want to just force feed him a whole bunch of snaps because you know the more snaps he gets the better the, the quicker the, he'll, he'll get better but i also think that yeah that doesn't always work well that doesn't always work and also you know it, it also that seems to you know expedite someone getting injured you know so i i would much rather him you know slow build from here on out till the end of the season and be available at the end of the season and also have Sean Lee available at the end of the season, you know, because I think that that's what's best right. for the team, you know, in the long run. 
All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Make sure you check that out. You can follow our show at Locked on Cowboys. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We will see you guys back here on Thursday to talk about the Cowboys and Redskins matchup for Week 7. We will see you guys next time. (laughs) 